hello, hello. You have reached the Black of the Berry podcast, and this is your host, the Berry Flair. And I have a wonderful guest today, but also this is our Life Love Herbs uh, episode with Chicory and the founder of Chicory, Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm Nikki Miner. Um, I am the creator of Chicory Zine and Chicory Botanicals. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here um, because we've been talking about this for a while and now we're here and people get to learn more about your work and chicory and how it came to be like for sure okay so um, yeah tell us a little bit about the name chicory and um, I have some of your wonderful zines here as well so at some point I would really like to talk about that so yeah tell us a little bit about chicory all right cool so um, chicory is the name of my zine which I make so zines for people who aren't familiar are like little self-published chat books or magazines that are booklets that you can make and distribute yourself so um, chicory is the name of my herb zine that I make and then chicory botanicals is the name of my line of small batch seasonal um, plant medicines so it's tinctures and, and salves and different skin applications um, tea blends and things like that and I have my own right now uh, that I'm really excited about and um, yeah I I'm gonna buy a tea kettle so I haven't drank my tea yet um, but I want to get me a nice tea kettle and I just got some new um, mugs and things so mm -hmm. I'm excited about that and to have my tea um, yeah so how did you start your journey in plant medicine sure so really my journey in plant medicine I feel like started with my journey with plants um, my mom was grew up in the country southern Mississippi and so she grew up gardening and so she taught it to me and so we grew our own vegetables and had a flower garden and i grew up in a neighborhood that had a lot of trees and so i was just it was just kind of something that was always with me that I, i've always carried with me an appreciation for plants and then i also grew up with my mother who was a person who was terminally ill um and but she so she did Go to the doctor a lot so i spent a lot of times in doctor's offices but then also my mother was a person who also believed in holistic medicine as well and would also side by side with her prescription medications be taking herbal products as well and so herbal products and like herbalism has never been anything that's foreign to me i just mm -hmm. kind of grew up with it and then yeah. just not to mention just things that as i've gone further along in like my herbalism self-study just learning like oh man these are you know black folk um remedies and applications of of medicine um with plants that have just probably existed like through my family for generations and yeah. other families you know other black families throughout the throughout the southeast so it so that's kind of where it really began yeah and then when i was in college i started up which is I mean, well over a decade ago, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I started a plant-based diet and I was just becoming more aware, you know, I was a young person, like, so becoming more aware of, like, the environment, like, what I'm putting into my body and, mm -hmm. and things like that. So I started making, my, being interested in um, eating organic foods and making my own products. So that's also another way where it kind of started, too, because um, there's a lot of, 
you know, I feel like crossover with like making your own skincare applications and herbalism. Yeah. And so that's sort of where it started. And then someone just happened to gift me a book mm-hmm. that was just like a really great primer on like making herbal medic- uh, medicine and um, just like really quick plant profiles. And I just like soaked it up. Like, yeah. and I was just like, this is, uh, it just felt, it just happened at the right place at the right time. And I have to say one thing that really kicked it into gear is um, I'm not going to name the person, but uh-huh. 46 would actually really kicked it into high gear for me. Okay. And so, um, and by 46, I mean our former president. Um, <laughs> but that really was like, whoa, like this is like, I need to learn how to be able to take care of myself mm-hmm. and to be able to integrate things into my life that help prevent me from going to having to go to a doctor because they, I just felt like I just I knew the beginning mm-hmm. of that presidency was like mm-hmm. going to be a lot of warfare on BIPOC, you know, black and brown people. Yeah. So that's kind of like where the interest in the and like really kind of went into gear and to start making the plant medicine mm-hmm. um and then also growing up back to you know having a terminally ill mother seeing how she was treated as a black woman mm-hmm. in doctor's offices and just being like mm. you know what are things that i can incorporate into my life as like tonic which is like daily like preventative medicine that like keeps my body like healthy and strong yes. and things that can support me so that like I'm avoiding kind of like the traumatization of like the medical mm-hmm. industrial complex so like that's really where like the you know the herbalism really kind of I got really serious about my self-study and then I just happened to be like kind of in that same time that I got that book from someone like mm-hmm. I was walking in my neighborhood and I was like and I just like found an herb shop and I was yeah. like I was like I had no idea. I had been living in the neighborhood for years and didn't know it was there and I was like wow what is this like herb shop like what yeah, is this place what's it just, called? it's called Rosalie Botanicals Rosalie Botanicals I got the girl yeah. I got to visit it's really it's really it's really great and like I feel like it that's kind of where I like got my start with the herbs here mm-hmm. and so I just like went in and was like you know just like wow it just felt like so right to be in the space Mm -hmm. and like just you know see all the beautiful herbs in the jars and I saw that they were looking for interns and so I just was like hey I want to be an intern and I was like I don't know really much about herbs but like I'm really interested you know um and so yeah I didn't I interned for Rosalie for like a couple years like you know on and off and then eventually actually right before in 2019, so like kind of like right before COVID, yeah. um, I did I taught um, a class there. So I went from being an intern to like then teaching there. So it was like a really this that. really beautiful arc. And so yeah, that's kind of yeah. the long and the short of it. And then I've been pretty <laughs> active on social media yeah. for like the past three years and stuff like that. So that's kind of like yeah, that's mm-hmm. sort of the journey of kind of brings you to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that really stood out to me is um, you bringing up the medical industrial complex and um, seeing the way black femmes are treated in the medical world Um, and my own personal experience honestly I found herbs to be more helpful after struggling for so long since I was about 11 of having like really extreme menstrual cramps and very like just traumatic periods honestly a lot of like just being very very physically ill and not being able to go to school or work and all those sorts of things and and finding um 
more solutions and things like ginger, like to stop the nausea and CBD to help with cramps and teas and herbs, other herbs being able to um, really help me and looking into like what fruits and foods and vegetables are really good to eat during that time like um, and incorporating that and changing my diet yeah about I would say about 10 years ago I changed my diet and started just putting you know just eating more fruits and vegetables in general kale has really been like green things being really important to during my menstrual time because after years of going to the doctors and like you know from the time I was like 11 and just going to say the same thing every time and then putting me on, on all these different medications that were never helpful. At one point they literally had me on Vicodin, like um, just, you know, and I, and I think so many people can speak to that and not finding solutions sometimes in the medical industry. And I just wanted to lift up the fact that yes, herbs, and, and plant medicine has been really important to like me actually having periods where I can function and you know yeah. not be in the bed for you know several days at a time yeah and it so it makes yeah. a lot of sense and I mean like when I hear you say that like I, I'm thinking of a couple different things like one mm-hmm. plant medicine is based on a more holistic approach right like if someone comes to me and they're like oh I'm having um an issue with my skin or mm-hmm. I'm having an issue with my with my sleep I'm like I always go back to like what is your diet mm-hmm. what is your sleep like mm-hmm. what is your you know like your activity level like what's your general constitution mm-hmm. you know just kind of a thing from traditional Chinese medicine like you know like are you are more hot cold wet dry like I think that all like matters and like um I also think that like a lot of what sort of like industrial medicine, like Western medicine, um, really seeks to sort of uh, treat things in the form of like just like masking symptoms and mm-hmm. not actually trying to like heal the body from the inside, which it can do. However, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to sound like anti like medicine. Like I definitely yeah. think like like any herbalist that is like or any plant folk plant practitioner like me, mm-hmm. they're gonna tell you obviously if you're trust your own judgment like if Mm -hmm. you feel really unwell please go to a doctor you know like I definitely I definitely believe in like like integrative medicine for like acute ailments and Mm -hmm. for like more taking things for things like over time you know like preventatively exactly um I think is the best way and so I think that like that um I don't know. I just feel like Western medicine just doesn't take like a holistic of enough of, of an approach mm-hmm. because I do think that over time, instead of just because think about like taking something like a a pain medication, right, which may treat the may temporarily treat the pain, but like mm-hmm. what is it doing to your liver, right? Exactly. And instead, maybe you could be taking something like you know a supportive herb like red raspberry leaf, which mm-hmm. is something that tones the uterus. But it may you may not really see the effects of it, but because it, it, as it needs to build up in your system, yeah. But it's something that's like very like gentle and not something that's gonna like be really hard on like your liver or like potentially put you at risk for like you know like those those pills are like they can be really harmful and we've yeah. seen, we've seen that you know so mm-hmm. I I definitely agree with you about that yeah yeah for sure yeah I'm. I, It makes me think of like, okay, yes, and and even hearing you say like, over time, 
like you had to build a certain amount of education about these mm-hmm. things and um, different experiences you had, whether it was learning from your mother, or learning from Rosalie, or um, you know, just being gifted that book. And I can't say, you know, as a person who has grown up in uh, urban spaces and where are you from exactly? Well, I'm from I'm from uh, New Orleans, okay. otherwise known as uh, this unceded Chittimacha yeah. in the land that we're on. So, word, word. Uh, so I'm from here, but I grew up in New Orleans East, mm-hmm. and so uh, my mom like we had a mm-hmm. house out there and enough you know space to have a, a vegetable and flower garden. Yeah. So because that was just something that yeah. was important to my mom, so mm-hmm. every you know that was just. Her garden was something yeah. that she took pride in, so that which is beautiful. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would say maybe I didn't grow up with that same like uh, relationship to the land in that way, and like a lot of my time was spent after school going to the corner store, and often those weren't like healthy options. But I do, you know, very much remember my mom buying like. Even if it was canned vegetables, it still was vegetables. Mm-hmm. And um, but that that education wasn't there, neither in school, right? To kind of talk about like the importance of right. plants, mm-hmm. and you kind of learned about them in science, but it wasn't like, hey, here's a way you can incorporate this. Right, it's so, not yeah cultivated. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's yeah relationships with plants and just plant awareness is not cultivated mm-hmm. in like the traditional like. American schools, public school system or whatever. So I was very lucky that I had a mom that like was a country girl mm-hmm. and like literally like was dirt poor. So they had to grow their own yeah. food, you know? And so like they had to like, you know, use folk and herbal remedies because like it was out of necessity. Mm-hmm. So my mom gave that to me. And then by my mom, be- you know, being terminally ill, mm-hmm. she believed in again like holistically like not just like she was a diabetic so like in addition to like the things that she you know took her insulin and monitored her glucose but like she also knew healthy diet was a part of that too so like I I grew up like I just was very fortunate that like I just I grew up in a very very much a household where like healthy food was I've always been like a fairly like I would say healthier eater than like a lot of my my like friends that I've talked to like across like races yeah. honestly even yeah. that live in this area it's just like especially in the southeast it's mm-hmm. like just it's just like a it's like where all the rich food comes from and it's great you know but my mom was just very like health conscious growing mm-hmm. up so like I think I've just always been kind of like yeah. more like more health conscious like coming to school and like being ashamed of my like whole wheat bread sandwiches and like yeah. my mom would be making like bomb stuff like you know baked lemon fish and like steamed broccoli and like mashed potatoes and like I would be so ashamed you know like yeah being like, oh my gosh I wish I had this pizza lunchable but I'm thankful for it so like the mm-hmm. corner store was like literally a few blocks from my house and I yeah. would do that sometimes too yeah but like always like my mom would literally be like it's Saturday it's it's time to go weed and like I would yeah. I remember being like oh bro like I don't want to weed the garden <laughs> today but like I was I'm actually so thankful for that like yeah. I'm so thankful for that and like my mom would like like what we would do on Saturdays she would go to because she was like friends with the, the guy that owned the little hairy ace hardware store by our house yeah and so he'd be like oh hey marie you know like everything like they chat and then my mom would be like you could pick out any seeds you want for the planting the garden mm-hmm. so my mom like actively made me a, a participant and like even though she she probably wouldn't have been like i was instructing you on how to garden like yeah you know, like, like you know like you would see at a school but my mom really was like 
just literally naturally just like allowing me to have interests in plants. Mm-hmm. So like I would, you know, pick all the weird ones, you know, like I was, you know, super fascinated that like zinnias could be green. And I was like, how can flowers have be green and have green leaves? Yeah. And just all the ones that had weird names, you know, so I would just pick up. So my mom just like, I don't know, I have to like really credit her for like just introducing that to me. And I really think, I don't know, a lot of times that's where it starts, but I think it's never too late to like cultivate that relationship with plants. Facts. Yeah. Yeah, It's never too late. Yeah. I believe that because, you know, I've, um, I've been able to do that over the years. I do remember my mom having plants in the house, which was cool, you know, and also now, you know, being much older and starting to learn more about plants it has really been very beneficial and I'm, I'm happy every day for that you know um because it really has changed you know a lot of things for me and so yeah i love to have plants in my house i love to like use plants in so many different ways and i'm always thankful to meet people like you who you know have that education and want to share knowledge and you know the work that you do with community so for sure yeah yeah I think that's just like the key is just like mm-hmm. accessibility and just like making things and then also just like making people aware like you have so much knowledge mm-hmm. you have actually so much knowledge about plants then like maybe you even know it just hasn't been like brought to your yeah, attention exactly. and it hasn't been cultivated and someone who I have to really accredit to having that sort of idea about things is mm-hmm. this person I actually just posted them on one of my Instagram stories but it's yeah. Dr. Frances Roberts okay she is um an eco-womanist she um does a lot of work around just like I'll, I'll have to like reshare the story with you but she basically says like speaks to that idea of like making people aware of like the knowledge that they like already have around like mm-hmm. their histories and like ecosystems yeah. and how they are how they actually can be like you know torchbearers of like continuing on with stuff so I think that like especially in like a lot of times like with BIPOC communities like um especially with our relationship with plants it makes me think about like something else that I heard from another Mm -hmm. black them um that's a uh, wrote a book called Farming While Black Mm -hmm. um Leah Penniman of Soul Fire Farm she's up there in upstate New York actually and kind of near Albany but she said that the field was the scene of the crime so there's been this intentional separation of our relationship with the land and so I think Mm -hmm. like a lot of people like not kind of like almost like I don't want to be associated with that country like you know slave stuff like like like, I don't want you know what I mean like like the idea of like that's how some people truly how some black and brown people I've heard definitely view like the idea of like being a farmer like anything kind of like agricultural or whatever Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yeah, I think, but I think it's a little bit of that, but I also think in the same hand, like, kind of like I was saying about that person, Dr. Roberts brings Mm -hmm. up that, like, I think it's the idea that people carry all this knowledge and, like, just, it hasn't been brought to their attention. So I think it's a combination of, like, trying to, like, recreate and Mm reestablish a healthy relationship with the land and also being, like, wow, like, empowered to be, like, I actually already have so much knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like already, so. I think sometimes, um, unfortunately, like shame can be used to like make people feel like, hey, you're not eating a plant based diet, you're not, you're not doing this, and it becomes like a little bit classes, not a little bit, it definitely mm-hmm. becomes classes. But yeah, that's a whole nother. The approach you're speaking about, I think, is so important to to, to 
show people and empower people and let them know like there's so much you already know right like and, and there's so many things you naturally are doing yeah. that you might not think are yeah. you know, like build this relationship with the land but you do like all the time 100 percent, and like yeah. and and doing my you know herbal self-study like mm-hmm. really seeking out books that you know highlight or talk mm-hmm. about black botanical legacy and like yeah. black folk remedies like actually like black people and brown people indigenous people we have been doing this for like eons but yeah. the, there's something actually that happened in particular in the 18th century it mm-hmm. became outlawed for black people to work in apothecaries and practice mm. herbal medicine so for like a hundred years we couldn't but it's like and then uh, this is about to get like i'm trying not to get too off tangent but yeah. i was like you know, there's not a whole lot of like herb books that are like specifically about black plant medicine mm-hmm. and black, you know, um, herbal medicine. It's not mm-hmm. not nearly as as much as like books that are like written written by like white folks and like don't even mention any type of like indigenous, you know, uh, yeah, African, you know, anything from like BIPOC mm-hmm. diaspora, right? And I found this map online, and it actually because I mean, Africa is a huge continent, so yeah. like. And it yes. and as it was this huge map, and it had all of the herbs that mm-hmm. actually come from the African continent. And then like seeing that was just like mind blowing. Cause I'm like, of course they wanted to erase like all of this botanical knowledge that we came with. It's like that's why they sought us mm-hmm. out. They knew, they knew like all of the knowledge that we yeah. had. And so of course they wanted to siphon that knowledge and then intentionally like basically like sever our relationship with with the land, with the land mm-hmm. to be able to capitalize yeah. on it so it's just like they're you know um so if you're interested i can definitely like send a list of Absolutely. books that are like written by black folks that like talk specifically about like remedies things that kept us yeah. alive because that was another thing they wanted they knew that we were able to keep ourselves like healthy and alive mm-hmm. you know like oftentimes actually the human traffickers which i call the enslavers mm-hmm. were like kept alive and healthy a lot of times by the enslaved in their herbal preparations and and because they knew enslaved africans had so much botanical knowledge that's why they outlawed it yeah. that's why they outlawed it yeah. so it's which like makes complete sense which i know makes so much sense mm-hmm. and that um that that also brings me to um my next question um what are some bipoc herbalists you were are inspired by from the past and the present. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've already spoke about your mom for sure. Yeah. And just to remind people, when we use the word um, the acronym BIPOC, it's meaning Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Um, and so, yeah, what are some BIPOC herbalists that you were and are inspired by past and present? Yeah, for sure. I guess I'll start kind of like with the past, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so one person that I learned about online um, is an ancestor from Pitt County, North Carolina, mm-hmm. by the name of Emma Dupree, and so she um, like is kind of one of the kind of was the gateway for me mm-hmm. really becoming uh, much more interested in learning about like like black folk herbalism in the particularly like in the southeast, and so she was known as a medicine woman or a granny woman and she was like very very well known throughout um pitt county north carolina and yeah also not to get off subject but there's such an interesting history of um of black folk medicine use in the carolinas period because like 
you know, you got to think about it's you know the Gullah Islands the Gullah, are there, and so yeah. it was it, a lot of the communities in the coastal Carolina area were able to retain much more of their African like culture and practices. So it, it makes a lot of sense to me that like she's from like that region. So that's definitely someone that I'm like highly inspired by, or just yeah. like I just feel such a like like I just see her and just like I see it like there's this there. They there became interest in her when she was like later in her life because like mm-hmm. I think people were like oh my gosh this person is like such a gatekeeper and has so much knowledge about like black folk medicine and mm-hmm. um, so they started they did a like a taped interview with her I think yeah. with the University of North Carolina and there was like a little write up on her and then like I think like you know she was kind of celebrated in the in the town where she was from but like kind of in the last decade of her yeah. life and um. And because so many people were like, she like, you know, helped my mom, my uncle, like everyone mm-hmm. in the county knew her. And so, um, yes, yeah, so I'm really inspired by her. And when I see her, I just like, see, it just almost feels like looking at a grandmother, you know? Yeah. And there's this photos of her in her last years where she's like out in the field mm-hmm. um, picking like goldenrod and stuff yeah. like that. And just like, I don't know, I just see like a, almost like a grandmother spirit in her. Yeah. So yeah, that's one person. I love that. And um, I would say like more currently who I'm really inspired by, there's someone online who was like pretty much the first, just because I want to take a moment to like shout this person out. Yeah. Um, They were like the first black herbalist I found kind of like online, like on social media. And their name is um, Shade Musa. And they go under the handle Roots of Resistance. And they have been like in the game like for like years. And it's like hands down, like one of the most knowledgeable people on like black and African botanical legacy. Like she like spends her career like going around and it is a black disabled thing and it goes around and like looks at like primary sources and like looks at things in a really kind of very like technical way but also with like all of the like cultural context as well so Mm -hmm. I really am like very very much inspired by them and then then there's another person I also really look up to because they kind of I don't know like do do what I want to do one day but like on a larger scale they have like their whole like a whole homestead and like a like a whole like it's just like a whole land beautiful land liberation project yeah. up in Vermont and their name is uh, Candace Taylor yeah Candace Taylor of um, conscious homestead and so right. I'm just really inspired by those three people and like we've collaborated a little bit like in um, traded stuff and yeah. like I just really admire and, uh, the work that they do they they do a ton of like mutual aid and it's just like a really like cool person yeah sure. I love to hear that I remember we were when we were also on the phone you had mentioned a herbalist um that I, I don't feel like it's often spoke about. It was uh, Harriet, Harriet Oh, yeah, Tubman. I know. There's so many people yeah. like a shout-out to. So, and obviously, Harriet Tubman. Oh, my goodness. How could I forget? Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize she was an herbalist and that mm-hmm. she was a nurse and she was a spy and mm-hmm. she was the first woman to lead the U.S. to ever lead the U.S. Army on an expedition. Mm-hmm. And she freed literally thousands, helped yeah. to free, helped to, to liberate thousands of people or helped thousands of people self-emancipate mm-hmm. um, 
And so, yeah, she was like, she oftentimes would have to treat her injuries and treat the injuries of people on the Underground Railroad. And she was pretty much like a naturalist. Like she yeah. would use, like she would use bird calls and bird songs in order to like basically navigate through the wilderness barefoot. Like she was, and I'm not sure if a lot of folks know, she was like five feet tall. Yeah. Like, so she was just like this tiny person, like just like barefoot, just like, like it, and she had to know, you know, animal tracks, and she mm-hmm. had to look at the plants and things, and really be paying attention to nature. And because she had to like take care of herself and her family and everyone that was that she helped to emancipate with the Underground Railroad, she had to be knowledgeable of mm-hmm. plant medicine and and to be as a nurse in the Union Army, she. I'm imagining there's no written account, but I'm imagining she would have been using plant medicine. Yeah, probably plant medicine that was somehow either learned, learned or adopted from like local indigenous people and or something remedies brought over from Africa or something that was passed down to her. But she definitely used that knowledge mm-hmm. for sure. And I would 100% consider her an herbalist. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I love that. Yeah. Now while you were talking to. Uh, I was just thinking about my my great aunt, my my grandma's sister, and I, my aunt Byrne. So shout out to my aunt Byrne. But I remember her always, um, even though we, you know, and I don't know if people know this, but um, I'm from upstate New York. But I always remember her growing collard greens in her yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my uncle, may he rest in peace, uh, Uncle Carl. He sometimes <laughs> would have a little. A little other herbal things in his yeah. Yeah. you know uh uh yeah cannabis to say the least but you know um folks who move from the south up north they still be growing their plants and i just wanted to shout that out because um those those practices have also migrated as mm-hmm. well so it's it's always really cool to think about that um but yeah um how do you incorporate different BIPOC remedies in your practice? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for me, it's when I was thinking about this question, the two mm-hmm. things that came to mind were I think of, I think about the herbs that I'm using mm-hmm. and I think about the way in which I'm using them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's like tons of herbs that like come from the African continent, like any of your basils. And mm-hmm. also another thing um, to mention, because this is like could be a whole nother interview about like the colonization of plants the colonization of plant names the colonization of plant knowledge the colonization of intellect which all all impacts the way that we look at and talk about plants especially in the scientific way and so a lot of times when you're reading botany books when you see Mediterranean, it's just code word for Africa. They just yeah. don't want to say Africa, but it, it a lot of times like it's the same. Like you'll see like, oh wait, this actually this this plant grows in Africa. So a lot of your basils, you know, come from Africa. Like a lot of pretty much all your spices, ginger. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm trying to think of like other things. Any like hibiscus, like Jamaican sorrel, comes mm-hmm. from Africa, and and then it's so interesting. So. I have a question for you. So, like, when you yeah. think of when you think of wormwood, what do you think of? Wood. Oh, and, oh. And worm. Yeah, well, <laughs> wormwood is what is in um, is in absinthe. And so, what yeah. do you think when you think of absinthe? What do you think of? Um, it'll get you a little tipsy. And where do you think it comes from? Like, what area do you think of when you think of wormwood? 
I don't know if I have any particular area that I think of. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe America. Yeah, well, the reason why I ask is because, like, Wormwood is, like, the thing in Absinthe, and it's, Mm -hmm. like, known, actually, like, in France, but the Wormwood plant comes from Africa. Yeah. So it's just, like, all of these plants, Mm -hmm. like, even the common aloes that we have in our living rooms, you know, that you might be using for a burn, like, Mm -hmm. that comes from Africa. And so I think that, um, for me, I think about, like, the herbs that I'm using, and then Mm -hmm. just, like, the applications, and I feel like as I've been reading a lot of especially in the Carolinas area and the the Gullah tradition like a mm-hmm. lot of their herbal medicine preparations are like only like two or three herbs yeah. I just recently was reading about um do you mind if I I, I just want to say one mm-hmm. thing because um how I learned about the Gullah mm-hmm. was just my grandma will always say Geechee's and so I do want to bring that up because yeah. if, if someone is listening and you're like, what's Gullah? But you probably remember Gullah, Gullah Island, maybe. But also maybe heard someone say Geechee. Yeah, and, um, so, yeah you're yeah, right. It is Gullah Geechee. Um, interchangeable, too, or used together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, de- so, yeah, when I say Gullah, I'm referring to, like, the Gullah Geechee people mm-hmm. of the, I believe, I can't remember if it's in North or South Carolina. South, I think it's more traditionally, like, southern um, south carolina but like you were mentioning um the coast in general yeah yeah that that whole area because it's just like it's such rich soil there Mm -hmm. so a lot of stuff can grow and a lot of like enslaved africans were brought over Mm -hmm. to that to that region and so i've been you know just and trying to just do small things like that so think about like you know using herbs that have botanical legacy on the african continent Mm -hmm. is like one thing right and then also thinking about like learning more about like well how are these things like actually applied or like how are the formulations put together and so like it is definitely like i kind of am cherry picking because there isn't a lot of like information as there there isn't a large enough body of uh i guess like books and writings about it as Mm -hmm. there should be because there is so much botanical legacy and so that's kind of going back to that like intentional like erasure that intentional severing um and just straight up outlawing (laughs) like you know what i mean we couldn't read or write we weren't allowed to read or write plus they're just like you can't practice herbal medicine in the 18th century so it's just like i try to gather what information i can and Mm -hmm. then so some of it i might be you know just i guess it depends on like the books that i find and the articles that i come across but i basically kind of like just try to borrow from all of the traditions and because all of it as long as it's connecting it for me I think like back to like my roots which is like black people and like like in Africa Mm -hmm. is that's just kind of because there isn't like a linear like complete botanical herbal history of like any one section I feel like of of black people is particularly in the southeast or even from like the African continent so I just really try to incorporate what I can find in a way that feels like natural and organic yeah. for what like I already you know like what kind of like what I'm already doing mm-hmm. if that makes any sense like yeah. I can't describe it yeah like for sure. it, yeah I wish I could I don't know like think of a, <laughs> a more concise way to say that but that's just kind of I just kind of like I try not to overthink mm-hmm. it but then I just yeah I use herbs from the African continent and then I think okay cool let me try to make this a formulation with like three herbs because that's something that like I learned that the girl like itchy did and that's mm-hmm. like me kind of you know, being inspired by that tradition and feeling some connection there. Word. Yeah. It also makes me think um, the plants that have, have stayed, I guess, most common um, 
sometimes and you know in the black community um, or just even what I grew up with as far as like collards um, and okra and those plants also being from the continent of Africa mm -hmm. and how they've been just constantly incorporated in lifestyle and living mm -hmm. and um, yeah, to this day, it's like my favorite vegetables too. Yeah, <laughs> and they all have like healing properties yeah. too that have been used for like folk health remedies like mm. pot liquor, right? Like mm. that's how like it basically was just like old school bone broth. Like I don't, mm. I don't, it's so funny. I think it's funny that people think that they've like, oh, it's like, oh, bone broth is so trendy. And I'm like, people have been doing that yes. forever. <laughs> like, and so yeah, pot liquor is like often yeah. like used as like a, a health tonic in, mm -hmm. the, in the black community. Yep. It has been for a really long time. And so I think just like feeling connection and like bringing that back and finding little ways and little rituals to repair that severance of mm -hmm. our relationship with nature, but in a way that like feels right and organic. Like I'm never gonna go out of my way to like find herbs that you know, are from the African continent, but they're like sourced in this unethical way. Yeah. You know, like I, I just, I try to like use things seasonally and like what's around me. Mm -hmm. I try to think about how it's sourced and I just try to like, just, you know, I try to think of like the safety of, of herbs too for people and like yeah. finding gentle herbs. So yeah, so I just, I definitely try to do it in a much more, like I try to let, you know, BIPOC legacy like influence my medicine making in a very like organic way. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your BIPOC outreach and accessibility program? Mm -hmm. So I don't have a better name for it other than Chicory Herbal Mutual Aid Project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically what I do is it's just I um, crowdsource and um, I have it to where people can, specifically white allies and accomplices or non-black uh, allies, non-black and non-indigenous allies and accomplices to be able to sponsor a BIPOC care package. And so what that can look like, um, it's just, a, it's a it's a one femme show over here. So <laughs> I mean, you know, so I can, so I've been averaging about 15 to 20 packages that'll send out every month. Mm -hmm. The first month it was just like one thing, like one tincture, but now that I've been able to, you know, get more donations of things, um, I'm actually, probably later today gonna go pack up now packages that have like multiple objects mm -hmm. in there so it's like it's truly like now a care package and not just like a, a tincture like I'm able to scale up a little bit and so what I'm hoping I just started it I've done it sporadically throughout the past but have really made a commitment to doing it this year um, mm -hmm. because I feel like I've been able to get enough support from people to be able to make this happen like people who are like I'm committed to helping you know black and indigenous Herbal herbalist and and frontline people out here who are trying to do this work and uplift other you know mm -hmm. black and indigenous and people of color and so I've been able to get more donations and things so I'm hoping to be able to offer it if not monthly it's really hard for me to, to do it monthly during the school year but I try to do it monthly mm -hmm. but if not monthly every other month and so what I do is yeah I just give out as much medicine to BIPOC people that I have like the capacity to like how it just depends on like how much medicine I have that month but I just I give away a certain amount of products to black and indigenous people of color every month and that can also look like you know dropping off a care package to somebody mm -hmm. doing a free herbal consult for someone making a free tea blend for somebody and so yeah so sometimes it's 
things that I mail out and sometimes it's things that I do locally um, and usually whenever I do like a drop or like I'm off you know opening up another round of medicine to give away I'll just like make an announcement on my mm-hmm. social media for people right. to sign up and so I'm hope my whole goal is one day to be able to get like I haven't figured it out yet um, but to maybe just figure out like a more systematic way so that I can like increase the capacity of what I'm able to send out because mm-hmm. um, there's just like I feel like I get people writing to me all the time that need things and like my goal is basically for my medicine to be free to BIPOC people like yeah. I just I don't I feel like it's just I don't want us to have to pay and like I feel like it's honestly up to like allies and accomplices to step up and to like make that happen and you know mm-hmm. make good on what they say they're they're trying to be about yeah. um so yeah for and I um, have been a recipient of yeah. mutual aid, and I yeah. really am very thankful, honestly. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I, and also my, my herb classes that I've done before, too. I've done some mm-hmm. like herb walks with a local herb farm called Speakeasy Herb Farm. Mm-hmm. And I teach classes online, herb classes, and I also try to make always that free for people of color mm-hmm. as well. Word. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you use plant medicines to help things like stress, mood, sleep management, etc.? Yeah, so I, I guess for me, when I was thinking about this question, I sort of have like a rotating, like kind of three categories of herbs mm-hmm. that I will kind of always just take. And I just sort of go with on like, what do I, what is listening to my body and being like, what do I need right now? And that's the thing I love about plant medicine. It just really, I feel like as you're working with it, it's lots of like reflection mm-hmm. and just like kind of like being in tune with the body and thinking about what you need, you need and what herbs can support that. And so I usually try to have something that's like anti-inflammatory that I yeah. take daily. So like what that might be is like a turmeric and black pepper mm-hmm. tincture or, you know, a turmeric and black pepper like latte drink. Because I think like your food, I also consider food medicine too. So like Absolutely. I just try to think about what I need in that aspect. So some mm-hmm. anti-inflammatory foods and herbs. And then I'll always try to take something that's like like nutrient dense, something that's like got high in vitamins and minerals. And so, um, and then or like high in antioxidants, like mm-hmm. something that's gonna be like really kind of like building to the body. Mm-hmm. And then the other bucket of herbs or like a third kind of blend I always try to take daily is something in the nervine family mm-hmm. and nervines are herbs that are like calming to the immune system and like things that like you consider like your traditional like calm down herbs like chamomile and lavender mm-hmm. or nervine so I always try to take something inflammatory something that is like very building to the body that's like either like very high in vitamins and minerals or something that's like building to the immune system like elderberry right it's high in vitamin C yeah. I always try to take something like that and then I always try to take something that's like calming to my nervous system. Um, but I, I know I've probably have like thrown out some plant things that if you're not as familiar or as far along in your journey with plants and herbs, if I had to tell people one herb that I would recommend, or I guess I could say two yeah. for BIPOC people to take, especially for like stress and management and things that can be used as sedatives, but like aren't like gonna knock you out yeah i would say motherwort okay. is one it's a heart herb it's a it's very it's uh toning and calming to the cardiovascular system so if you're a person that has like 
kind of like heart palpitations and stuff like that, it can be an herb that is really helpful for you. Mm-hmm. It's also what you call a tonic herb and tonic herbs just mean like it's best taken daily like you see Mm -hmm. the best results over time and so over time and there's a lot of research too with motherwort um that it over time it will basically strengthen your heart and so something that that tripped me out i read the statistic that was like black women and femmes are like biologically seven years older than white women Mm, and so that's just because of the stress on like our bodies Mm -hmm. and so I think like taking something like motherwort can be really protective and helpful for BIPOC people and then another one that grows really well here um, if you're interested in like and you can grow it in a container too if you don't have space so this makes it accessible and you can also um, grow a new plant from a clipping Okay. So, like, if you know someone that has a bush of it, you can, like, sprout it, basically. But okay, it's word. called, it's a type of basil, which is an African herb, <laughs> um, called Tulsi, which means holy basil. Mm-hmm. And Tulsi is an herb that is, I'm going to throw out a big word, an adaptogen, which means it basically helps the body adjust to stress. Okay, And so it can help, if you have, like, high blood pressure, it can help, like, lower your blood pressure slightly. And actually, if you do have low blood pressure, you probably shouldn't take this, but if you're stressed out, you probably have high blood pressure. And so it's it can be helpful for that and it can help you maintain like your glucose levels so which is like obviously glucose and and diabetes something high in the black community right Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's just the diet i do think it's from the daily stress toxic stress from racism we have to deal with so those are like two herbs and um the great thing about tulsi also too is it tastes really good like Mm -hmm. you can easily make it into a tea so it's very very accessible so i would say for sure those are two herbs and they're and what's beautiful about them is that they're it's best if you take them daily so it's something you could take every day work Mm -hmm. i I, you know you just put me onto some game too Mm -hmm. and uh also a reminder to me to get back on my turmeric game because i've been falling off a little bit um how do you think our relationship with nature can change our lives and our lifestyle? Oh, that was a big one. I was yeah. thinking about that too. <laughs> um, I think like it for me is all about um, curing plant blindness, which I mm-hmm. cannot credit. I cannot be given full credit for coming up with that phrase. It's from Ooh. a podcast that I really like that yeah. I like to to nerd out on about. It's like about botany. It's like really kind of technical, but yeah. I like it. But they, but the point of the show is to cure plant blindness, and I feel mm-hmm. like, I think like that's kind of the goal, right? Because like plants literally are all around us. They're responsible for literally almost everything that we rely on to function and survive, mm-hmm. and they were here first. Yeah, and like. For me, I think Arbor Day should be a national holiday. Trees have literally never yeah. let us down. <laughs> like, so it's just like never. it's just like they literally filter our air. It's mm-hmm. just like we. It's just like even people who have a complete disconnect to plants are still relying upon plants. Like, even yeah. if you're eating fast food, there that there has you got to grow the grain for the bread, and mm-hmm. the, you got to grow the you know you know, uh, spices to make the condiments and to make the cucumbers for the pickles and Mm -hmm. the lettuce for the burger. And so, um, I think like that definitely just, I think just, just becoming aware of plants Mm -hmm. and our interdependentness on plants 
is like one way to incorporate plants into your life and whether that's from just like having a tiny little succulent that sits on your windowsill yeah. and just like admiring that or whether it's deciding to when you cook your meal if you're if you have access to it because i realize this is not accessible for everyone but if you're able to work with fresh herbs instead of dried um i'm trying to think of something else if just like other small ways that you can incorporate plants or just like taking the time again i'm gonna mention that accessibility could be a barrier for this as well but making the time and the space to like do a walkthrough at like a botanical garden. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other accessible ways. Like if you have a smartphone, they have apps um, that you can download that where it's like you just hold your phone in front of the plant and it IDs it. Mm-hmm. And you can look it up and you can read about it. So there are different ways that you can sort of um, bring more awareness of plants into your life. And I think naturally you will find a way to best cultivate your love of plants in your life like maybe right. for some people it's like herbalism maybe for some people it's collecting house plants maybe for some people it's growing vegetables in their garden maybe you know um for some people it's about making like skincare and beauty applications mm-hmm. and cosmetic like makeup and stuff like so you can find your own way and your own relationship to like appreciate and and cultivate a love of plants into your life for right. yeah <laughs> what are some glows and grows in the medical plant community that you have observed? Um, I think just, I was thinking about this too. I think one thing is just like the beautiful way community has just shown up. Mm-hmm. I feel like in this past year, like I feel like I just see so many BIPOC herbalists and herbal collectives and um, yes. just really uplifting each other and just like coming out with like the mutual aid Mm -hmm. that has inspired me in such a way that like it's inspired me to start kind of like um up in my mutual aid game and I think also too like another thing that's been really great to see is like more conversations around that and like the rematuration of land to indigenous people because a lot and because there's a lot of indigenous medicine making collectives as well um you know throughout Turtle Island aka America North America Um, so yeah I think that's like one really beautiful thing I've been able to I think you know just thinking about the events of just like that have always been happening but that just happened to be highlighted in a way that they never have been before last summer I think has been real I think that's like one really big glow is like just seeing Mm -hmm. people incorporate plants and social justice and to highlight conversations around like land sovereignty and like food colonization and urban farming and like food you know food apartheid i don't call it food desert i call it food apartheid because deserts is an inaccurate term yeah (laughs) but anyway that's like a whole nother conversation Mm -hmm. so i think that's been like a really a really beautiful thing yeah 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 for sure I've, yeah, I'd love to see just the growth and, and mutual aid across the board, but yes, especially with herbal medicine too, and how I've seen it be so helpful for like a cross community, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I find it to be beautiful. Um, it's, it's something to just think like, there has been, and I, I don't want to minimize this at all, like definitely devastation during this period of COVID, but there has also been, like it's blown my mind to see the way people have shown up for each other. Yeah. 
it's really like wow and we could just keep this up when we're we don't feel like we're in crisis too right i would just absolutely love to see that because it's it's been so transformative um yeah yeah i agree but i also feel like to that point bipoc people queer people trans people they've always absolutely they've always, this is true this they've is true. indigenous people we you know, always trade we've always, always like we've always practiced we trade and we this always will and we'll always we'll mm-hmm. always take care of each other but i do understand what you're saying it's it's awesome to see it in this like big it seems like a mm-hmm. big cultural like shift like mm-hmm. you know things like community fridges and like mm-hmm. um i'm just i'm trying to think of like other things i feel like that's like a huge thing i've been saying like community fridges is like a form of mutual aid and just like in response to a lot of the like environmental disasters mm-hmm. just seeing people like just get fired up on like social media being like boom you can Venmo this person here's this collective mm-hmm. like send this money here like you know sign up for this patreon so um, those are definitely things i think yeah sure. yeah it's been really powerful it has been Mind blowing. Um, grows. Grows. I mean, hmm, I didn't think about that one. So this will probably be like a more on the spot answer, but I think like um, a lot of people. I think just like a more awareness around accessibility and herbalism Mm -hmm. and I think like a lot of awareness again back I'm going to credit Dr. Francis Roberts but like just making people aware of like what Mm -hmm. you already know like you already like know so much and like I think a lot of people like especially like black folks particularly and like just BIPOC people just feel like intimidated intimidated and overwhelmed and like have always maybe had an interest in incorporating more like holistic lifestyle choices or mm-hmm. you know plant-based medicine or whatever into their lifestyle and I think that yeah I think just like kind of breaking down some barriers and making it to where like it's accessible to people and 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 um, bringing awareness of like this knowledge has always existed in our mm-hmm. community um, and so I think that's like a really big grow uh, um, just like a push for I think accessibility but also like a push for like I think like allies and accomplices to step up so that these so that like it, BIPOC you know creatives and and um create content creators and mm-hmm. folk plant practitioners and farmers and and things can be able to like sustain their lifestyles but then also like provide services for people in a way that is like accessible for them so yeah. I think it's like a full it's like a full circle full That's, cycle thing you know what I mean because it's like people who are doing this work deserve to be like uh, you know compensated but then also like there has to be some sort of support from the other end to maybe to be to able to ensure that there's always you know things that are able to be accessible to people yeah. you know you can't you can't give mutual aid without there being like an abundance of something mm-hmm. right and so I think that for me is like a really big like I think that's a good grow or yeah that and more black people just owning their land and like mm-hmm. just non-black and non-indigenous people just like not resource hoarding and like seriously rematriating land Ooh. and giving land to people like yeah. I think that's just like a that's just like a, that an, part? An, an honest thing like land back movement absolutely mm, yeah that's like a huge girl um, for me yeah yeah for sure for sure and um, 
Yeah, I would like to see that for a lot of BIPOC people, mm-hmm. for sure, and, that, and, and more conversations around that, and the accessibility, because that part is just absolutely yeah, and I think, uh, top-notch. Like, it's like, if I don't have access to it, I'm going to get it. Right, and I think if more <laughs> BIPOC people had access to land, they would mm-hmm. be making this mm-hmm. land accessible to BIPOC mm-hmm. people, and so... Yes, that part. <laughs> yeah, but you know, gatekeepers gonna keep gatekeeping. Yeah. But I need, I, I need some of y'all to give land back. Facts. <laughs> I um, am so thankful for you being here, and I really feel like, and hope that everyone who's listening really took in that all of that beautiful information. Um, can you share with us your social media? Yeah, so can come and see you. Yeah, so if you so the easiest way is to just if you I'm pretty active on Instagram, so if you just type in Chicory Botanicals, I should pop up. It's just like a hand holding a, a little dropper tincture bottle, mm-hmm. um, and Chicory is spelled C H I C O R Y, and then my actual Instagram handle is Chicory Zine. Z-I-N-E, which with no spaces. So if you look up Chicory Botanicals or Chicory Zine, it'll come up. And I think even if you Google it, just Chicory Botanicals, yeah, New Orleans, it should pop up on Google. Mm-hmm. So that's a- another way to find me as well. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm very happy that you came today and that mm-hmm. we got to have this conversation. Yeah. I just gained so much knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. just having this conversation with you and I'm happy that you were able to share yeah and yeah I'm excited and I thank y'all for listening sending y'all love sending y'all just everything because it's always appreciated to be building a community um with y'all and of course with you Nikki (laughs) thank you for having me and like asking such thoughtful questions and making space for me to be able to share my story and my work word yes I'm so excited. Well, peace out, y'all. Much love, and see you all soon.